Welcome to Freedom Church, where we exist to reach people to know God locally, globally, and everywhere in between. Thank you for joining us online. We're so excited that you're with us today. If you want to know more about Freedom Church, you can go down to the description below, click the link to our website, and you'll find who we are, what we believe, our different ministries, upcoming events, and things like that. You're joining us during our series called Loving My Neighbor. Our lead and founding pastor, Terrell Somerville, is taking us through this series, um, teaching us how to be the hands and feet of Jesus by loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. We hope that you enjoy this series, and if you want to take any next steps, make sure to hang out to the end of the video. The best is yet to come. Good morning, church. How are you? Let's give God praise that we're able to be in His house today, all right? So I'm sure many of you have heard that there's revival going on all over our country, and I want us to experience that here. So I just want to ask you to continue going before God. Let God work out the things in your life. Let Him in the deepest parts of your heart and say, God, do a work in me. I want to see it go on. How many of you want to see it go on? I want to experience that for our people across our land. So here's what I want to tell you. Listen, when you come in here, do me a favor. Come up here to the front and sit in these seats in the front. I'll guarantee you, if I said Brad Paisley's about to walk out here, every one of you in the back would run up here, sit in the front seats. You would. Don't act like you wouldn't. You'd be running up here, and you'd be hoping he'd spit on you. You'd be doing this right here as he throws spit singing. So anyway, I want to ask you to come, get off the ends, come up the front, seat in the front and the back, because God is doing amazing things in our country, and I want us to experience it, and I want to invite people, and I want to see people come to know the love of Jesus. Are you with me, church? I want to see them experience the love of Jesus. That's why today I'm talking about loving my neighbor. So those of you that's brand new here, you're thinking you've had too much coffee. Caffeine is good. It's anointed, okay? Anyway, well, that being said, I'm so glad you're here. If you're brand new here and you come in, you think, man, I come in this church and I see these people down the row and they're just really probably good people. They probably outsend you 10 to 1, okay? So get over that. I'm glad you're here. We're all broken people in the need of the love of Jesus. So we're going to talk about in the coming weeks loving my neighbor. Now, when you think about loving my neighbor, who is my neighbor? It's anybody that walks on this dirt ball we call earth. That's who our neighbor is. And, and we're going to talk about some very important but yet tough issues. We're going to talk about orphans. We're going to talk about the poor. We're going to talk about the lonely. But we're going to hit probably the toughest subject out of loving my neighbor today that most people steer away from, and that's racism. We're going to talk about how to reconcile racism and how that we can bring the solution to we as God's people showing love to everyone. Say everyone. This is a huge subject that, you know what, it's spiraled out of control, I think, even more so in the past 10 years, in the past decade or so. And here's what I want to tell you. I'm no expert on it. I've tried to do my study and I've tried to look and I go to the authority of the Word of God, but I have a limited perspective upon it. So would you join me in prayer as we pray? Father, right now, God, I pray that your spirit falls upon this place. You said where two or three are gathered in your name, we would, that you would be in the midst. So we pray, Heavenly Father, do a mighty work, God. Do a mighty work in our hearts, God. Find us people, God, that are made like you, and may we be like you as we walk on this earth among other people that are our neighbors. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so today, what I want to ask you to do, I want you to turn to Luke's gospel, uh, that is in the New Testament, Luke's gospel chapter 10 in your Bibles. Now, if you don't have your Bible, I assume you memorized it. 
So go ahead and turn in your minds, but if not, turn in your Bible or turn on your Bible, your phone. Uh, if you have our Freedom Church app, you can go to the outline that's provided there and to be able to go along with this. But today, as we begin to dive in to this particular subject, we're going to look in Luke's gospel and how that Jesus has this interaction with a man that is an expert in the religious law and this is what it goes like here, beginning with verse 25. It says, one day an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus. How many of you here would like to test Jesus? <laughs> Not me, okay? This guy right here, he wants to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? So he's asking Jesus, what, does, what do I do, Jesus? So what does Jesus do? Jesus does what he often does. He answers the question with a question. Jesus says, what does the law of Moses say? What do you, how do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And, he didn't say or, he said and, Love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. Jesus says, bingo, ding, 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 ding. You need to do exactly what you just said that you need to do. But then the man adds to it and he goes on with Jesus. He says, the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? In other words is, you're saying, I'm supposed to love people, but just exactly, Jesus, who is it that I love? And we fast forward to our day and time, it'd be like saying, you mean, I have to love people, pastor, these blue-collar people. You know, I've worked real hard. I've got degrees down my arm. You know, I'm an educated professional. You mean, I've got to love those blue-collar people. Or you mean, pastor, let's just get real and let's get raw with it. Pastor, you mean I've got to love those people that's got blue or pink or purple hair? You know, and they're all tatty. All of you mean I've got to love those people, pastor? You mean, pastor, I've got to love those people that have piercings? You know, it's not just in ears. They got piercings in their nose. They got piercings in their eyebrows. They got them all the way around their ear. They've got booby piercings, Pastor. Do I have to love them? I mean, I saw it at the beach. I saw a guy and I thought, oh, Lord Jesus, that hurts just to see that. You mean, Pastor, I, I've got to love somebody. You mean, here I'm in Tennessee, y'all. And they have a funny dialect. They have a different accent. They've got a different You mean, I've got to love those people? Wow. Oh. Pastor, you mean I got to love those people? They, they listen to a totally different music than I do. And I mean, only country music in Nashville's anointed, you know, you got to have that. What do you mean, Pastor? I, I have to love those people that they got a different color skin than I do. You mean I have to love those people? Who is my neighbor? Who does that include? Jesus. So Jesus doesn't answer who to be a neighbor to. He goes on and tells a story of how to be a neighbor to everyone. Say everyone. 
So there's this Jewish man, he's on a trip, he's traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and what happens to him? He gets attacked, he gets stripped, he gets beaten, and he gets robbed, and he gets left on the road half dead. Then two Jewish guys come by. The first one, a priest. I would hope the priest would help the guy. But as the priest is walking by and he sees the guy on the side of the road, and no doubt he looks over, things begin to run through his mind. It doesn't look like an opportunity. It looks like a problem, a problem to avoid. In other words, if I go over to him and I touch him and the guy is dead, then I won't be able to go to the temple and work today. I will be unclean. And then you have the next Jewish guy that walks by on the road, a Levite, a temple assistant. And he begins to look at this guy, and he's curious as he looks at the guy, but he doesn't want anything to do with it. He doesn't walk over. So what does he do? In his own mind, he lets it go, and he walks on by. Then there's four words that Jesus says to the hearers of his Jewish crowd. He says, then a despised Samaritan. Then a despised Samaritan. No doubt this blew the hearers of the Jewish people's mind at that moment. And it was shocking to them that he would even mention as a Jewish rabbi that he would even mention a Jew because Jews hated Samaritans and Samaritans hated Jews. Why? Because 700 years earlier they had a situation where the Jews were exiled. There were some of them left behind and those that were left behind intermarried with a different race of people. Therefore, producing a mixed race people, they call Samaritans, and they've hated each other since. And it says, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him. The Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. He didn't just walk by and see the man that was beaten and bruised and robbed and attacked. He walked and crossed the street and went over to him because he had compassion man. He didn't look at him for what the color of his skin was. He didn't look at him for who he was as a He looked at him that he needs help. The late Dr. Martin Luther King put it this way, and I quote him. He says, the first question the priest and Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop and help this man, what will happen to him? Wow. You see, the heart of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, summed up in all the law, the Torah, is loving God and it's loving people. But when it comes to loving people, it's loving people, especially those that are different than you and I. See, racism isn't born into us. Racism is taught to us. 
See, a toddler doesn't, doesn't hate someone because of their skin color. The only thing toddlers hate is the word no. Right? And they hate the word nap. That terrifies a toddler. See, there's no racist gene that's born into our lives as human beings. Let me tell you what it is. A few things to understand. It's learned through maybe a bad experience, some situation happened, it's learned, and then hatred develops. Also, you can be raised that way. You're not to hang out with those people. But also, it's developed in people's lives out of pure ignorance, a lack of exposure, a lack of perspective. They are different, therefore we must not like them. So listen to me closely. Racism isn't a skin issue. Racism is a sin issue, church. Well, it's quiet in here, isn't it? Come on, somebody. Am I right? It's not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. It has no place with God's people. It has no place with God's church at all. I want you to understand that. James chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, but if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. I like you, though, if you like me. I like you if you look like me. My kids can play with your kids because your kids look like my kids. Oh, we are economically and socionomically the same. Therefore, we can be friends. But you and I were raised different, therefore, on different sides of the town. I, I was raised in a more fashionable zip code than you. Therefore, you're on the other side of the tracks. We can't be hanging out. Anytime we act like that, that is a skin, a skin, not a skin issue, it's a sin issue. It's not right before God, and it shouldn't be right before us as God's people, ever, period. So how do we love our neighbors that are different from us? A few things I want to talk about, it's so important. We have to recognize our prejudices. And some of you are thinking, man, I'm not a racist. I'm not prejudiced. I think you need to understand what the word prejudice means before you say that. Prejudice is, the word means prejudging. That's what the word means. It's a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. If you're honest, most of you would admit that you're raised with some type of prejudice. Everybody is. Why? Because we're sinful people. That's why we miss the mark. We're predisposed in making wrong judgments about people. You know how I was raised? Bikers that have tattoos are bad people. Then I grew up and bought a Harley Davidson. Right? That's what I was taught, you know? And you think about it, everybody has these preconceived Prejudiced, prejudging mentality. Sometimes people think, well, this younger generation, they're just not going to make it because they don't want to work, right? Or rich people. Rich people, they're stuck up. That's what's wrong with them. <laughs> or heavy people. You know what? Heavy people, they're heavy because they're lazy, right? Or maybe old people. Old people, you can't teach them anything. You can't teach an old dog new tricks, you know? That's what they say. They say, oh, hey, how many of you have heard this? Big church pastors are impersonable. 
Raise your hand if you've heard that. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I mean, it, the list goes on and on and on with people. This one's really big. White guys can't jump. Right? There's some. I agree. We're probably, I, I, it's hard for me to jump, you know, real high, but uh, I can do a herky, and I'm not going to do one. But anyway, I can do a herky. I can do the eagle thing, okay? But anyway, my point is, and then he, me, I grew up with some of my best friends. We spent the night with each other, my African-American friends. They all, people always want to say, all black people can sing. No, they can't. Some of my friends, they're horrible. You don't want to hear them sing. They can't carry a, a, a tune in a bucket, as the old saying goes. And some people will say, well, pastor, I'm not racist, but anytime you add that conjunction behind that phrase, there is nothing good ever going to come behind that statement. That's racist. If you say that to some degree, let's call it what it is. And some people think, I'm not a racist. I got a Hispanic friend. I got an Asian friend. I got a black friend. I got a white friend, whatever. I've made judgments myself based on the color of people's skin. I'm admitting it to you. One of my most terrified moments, I'll never forget it as long as I live. I flew back from Chicago to Nashville on a jet, three weeks after 9-11. When we boarded the plane, and it was getting mostly full, here comes a Middle Eastern man down the aisle with a turban on his head and sits close to me. Three weeks after 9-11, after 3,000 people were killed by these 19 Al-Qaeda guys. I thought to myself, oh my God, in heaven, I just left this conference about evangelism. We were in the time of starting this church, and I thought, God, what's going to happen? I, I'm married. I got a wife. I got three kids. I got, th I got three little precious girls. This was real to me. And I look around, and I'm looking at other people in their eyes, and they're thinking the same thing I'm saying. We're just not having a conversation. They're thinking it, though. And some of you are already thinking this. You're saying... That's understandable, Pastor. No, it's not understandable. I was sizing this guy up with my own prejudging based on the color of his skin. If he had been Asian or if he'd have been Hispanic or if he'd have been black or if he'd have been white, I wouldn't have been thinking that in my mind. The judgment was based on the color of his skin and how he dressed. And there's no doubt everybody else on that plane was looking at him thinking the same thing too. We need to recognize our prejudices. It's real. When it comes to loving our neighbors, it's different than us. But also, we got to do our best to seek to understand other people. You say, what do you mean by that? I'm not real versed on this. I don't have a full-blown understanding of how others may, have fe may feel that's been had the race card pulled on them. They've been unfairly treated. They've been unfairly hurt, abused, rejected. And misunderstood. So in studying this, I've tried to understand. I've tried to understand. And that's why that I sat down with a couple in our church here. And I wanted to talk to them that are dear to me. That they would share their story. How they feel. Would you check this out? 
So I wanted to sit down here with Pastor Stacy Walker. Those of you uh, that know it or may not know it, he is our care pastor. This is his beloved Corey, and he's been on staff for a while now, and we've been friends for several years. Yes. And been at Freedom Church how long? Eight years. Eight years. Been a long Trust time. Her. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, with me growing up, you know, I, I had African American friends and how I grew up and everything. But for me to sit here and say that I understand the things that Stacy and I have already talked about and how he grew up, I wanted to get a perspective from him from how he grew up. He grew up in St. Louis. Yes. So if you want to share with us so that we have an understanding uh, of what it is that you've grown up with an African-American and how did you get treated? How did that go? Um, growing up in the city, uh, we played outside a lot. Us being little boys, we were all over the place and we liked to go to the movie theaters and stuff, just like 10, 11 years old. And we started to encounter police officers, Ooh. which at that time were mostly white police officers in that area. So the thing that kind of threw us for a loop as we went to the theater one day, we stepped over into the area where the theater was at, which was predominantly white, and a police officer, you know, we could, we could feel them following us as we walked down the street, but we was like, ah, you know, no big deal. Then all of a sudden he put the lights on. And uh, like I said, we were little bitty boys, 10, 11 years old. So we was thinking maybe he'll probably just, you know, say, hey, what are you guys doing here? And, and, and it'll be that. But he took us back to like the county line and told us that we need to keep our little black A's over on that side of the line. Really? And that was like shocking because we had never heard that before. Mm. So us being little boys, we wanted to go to the theater. So we, after he left, we of course went back again, but mm. uh, we were ducking and dodging all the way, looking over the rafters of uh, different buildings or, or from behind different buildings or whatever, which really made you feel like a criminal mm. at 10 years old when you really hadn't done anything. Well, as you went along and you developed this mindset of how you got treated then, did it seem to get worse? It did, <laughs> it did. As you, as you get older, you're always on guard and always leery of officers. And then uh, if they're white, they got this idea about you. So now you're trading these ideas with each other before you ever even say a word and how uh, white officers will treat uh, black men in front of black women. It was, this, it was this thing going on where they had to prove that they were, that they the man. Mm -hmm. You know, they come and let the man know in front of the woman, you don't run this, we run this. You run around in this. Mm -hmm. And if you need us to come do something to him, then let us know. So they was breaking down whole family structure, whole whole dynamic between man and woman, like no respect, zero. So we fast forward and we see that um, you end up pastoring a church. Yeah. Yes, and that's how <laughs> you and Corey met. Yeah, yes, yes. That's exactly. how you and Corey met. So now 
you know, like when I grew up, you know, I had my one of my best friends, African-American guy. We grew up, I grew up with his family. We spent the night with each other, had things. But definitely, Boo's family had a cultural difference. Then my family had a cultural difference. Mm -hmm. So then Corey, Caucasian, meets and falls in love with Stacy, African-American. How does that play out when y'all met with your families being totally different? Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so when y'all got engaged, how did that, what did that look well, like? His family was absolutely wonderful. Okay. Very welcoming. Mine was not. Mm. I'll let you finish that statement if you want to. <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't planning on getting emotional. Oh. It's okay. They all refused to come to our wedding. Because I was marrying a poor black preacher. And how I know race was a factor is because if he was white, they would have just said, poor preacher. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But we went through because we knew God brought us together. We There was not a shadow of a doubt that God wanted us to be together. We were going to do ministry together. We were going to make a difference in people's lives together. And my mother did end up coming, but that was the only member of my family that came. So... Um, Yes, there was some opposition. Yes, not everybody supported us, but the person that mattered the most did. That's right. So, but we had lots of funny events at family reunions and... <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I learned about chitlins and... <laughs> and I, I had to ask, what is that? <laughs> In what ways now for you guys, uh, as a couple or for you, Stacey, vice versa, how is it better now? Uh... It is better because uh, I'm under the banner of Christ now. And when you're under the banner of Christ, that evens the kill, mm -hmm. uh, so to speak. Uh, so somebody could say or do something to me and I would know totally why it happens that way and how to handle that and even be a little bit more empathetic toward what they may be going through that brought them to that point. Mm -hmm. And then coming to Freedom Church makes it even better because uh, you guys have uh, allowed us to share our testimonies with people and share our lives with people and even help in the ministry here to help others understand and resolve racial issues within themselves, within their family, friends, or whatever. They can understand a little bit more. So it is Christ makes the difference, and that's where that now, you know, you're able to see people, and if they act in an undue way, you say, you know what, I'm under the banner of Christ, I'm praying for them mm -hmm. so they can find resolve in their life. And that's what we're trying to do as a church, that we understand that, um, you know, every tribe and nation is going to be in heaven one day, and our job is to do what we can do to win all those people. So that makes a huge difference, and it's a, it's a good word being on the banner of Christ. So thank you both. It's just really awesome to be able to share it and sit down and tackle a tough subject that a lot of people and a lot of churches won't even talk about. So thank you both. Yes, sir. Thank you. Praise God. We as a church at Freedom Church want to be part of the solution not the problem. So how do we love our neighbors that are different from us? We recognize any prejudices. We also seek to understand others, but also 
We need to love those that are different from you. In 1996, there was a situation that happened in Michigan. There was a Ku Klux Klan rally, and at this rally, the police came in and they separated the Ku Klux Klan from the protesters. Well, next thing you know, one KK mem- KKK member infiltrated the other side, and when he did and got into the other side of the protest, protesters they all started hollering kill the nazi and next thing you know they're kicking him and they're beating him and they're on him and guess what happened an 18 year old african-american girl named keisha thomas came to this guy's aid think about it she puts herself in harm's way to protect somebody that In all accounts, she would have believed that he was wanting to hurt her. Here's the famous picture of her putting her body over his to stop them from kicking the guy anymore. And she's broken and she's emotional, trying to stop them from doing this. What kind of person does that? Praise God. What kind of person does that? I'll tell you what kind of person does that. A person that loves Jesus. A person that's following Jesus, she was a Catholic Christian. And she goes on, and I quote her to say this. This is what Keisha said. She said, I knew what it was like to be hurt. The many times that that has happened, I wish someone would have stood up for me. See, Keisha wasn't like the, the priest. To walk by on the other side while someone's hurt over there. She wasn't like the Levi, the, the Levi, the, the temple assistant that walked by and thought, I don't have time for this. She was the one who crossed the street. She was the one that went and had compassion on somebody knowing that that person probably hated her. She wanted to protect someone that was different from her. And that's how you show the love of Jesus Christ. That's what Keisha did. And she also said this. She said, the biggest thing you can do is just be kind to another human being. It can come down to eye contact or a smile. It doesn't have to be a huge monumental act. See, racism isn't the presence of hatred. It can be the absence of love. The absence of love. It can also be the absence of showing acceptance. It can be the absence of embracing someone. I love you as my brother. I love you as my sister. See, the Bible doesn't say when you read the Scriptures that as a Christ follower, you're going to be known by your perfect theology. As a Christ follower, you're going to be known by your church attendance. As a Christ follower, you're going to be known by how much Scripture you memorize. As a Christ follower, you're going to be known by how you've been baptized. No, it says you're going to be known by how we love one another. That's how we're known as Christians. That's how we know that we've been born again and we're in the kingdom of Almighty God. Galatians 3, verse 28 says, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one. Say one in Christ Jesus. God loves everybody. 
God loves Asian Americans. He loves Caucasian Americans. He loves African Americans. He loves Latin Americans. He loves Native, Native Americans. He even loves Americans that's got cats. Yeah. He loves Japanese. He loves Chinese. He loves Koreans. He loves Malaysians. He loves Pakistanians. He loves Iranians. He loves Canadians. He loves Cubans. He loves Nigerians. He loves Hondurans. He loves Jamaicans. He loves everybody that's made in the likeness and image of God because the same blood that runs through their veins runs through all of our veins, church. As I was studying this week, God brought to my mind, and I remembered Jesus' prayer before he went to the cross. And in John's gospel, chapter 17, if you've never read it for yourselves, I challenge you this week, just read the one chapter. John's gospel, chapter 17, before Jesus went to the cross, and this that's when he was praying to his Father in heaven. The three main sections of the prayer was that Jesus first prayed for himself. That he would fulfill his Father's will. That he had been sent for that purpose. He then prayed for his disciples. Because his disciples were facing Jesus dying on the cross. And they were going to be so scared, so lonely, locked themselves behind doors without understanding after walking and seeing all the miracles that Jesus done for three years. Then you know who else he prayed for? He prayed for all of us, all future believers. And this is what Jesus said in that prayer for future believers in verse 21 of John 17. He says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one as you are in me father and I am in you and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me see in heaven one day you got to understand that God created everyone in we're all going to be there. It's going to be wonderfully, incredibly diverse. You say, well, how do you know that, Pastor? It, I love what John the Revelator said in, in Revelation 7. He said this. He said, after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. He said they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Praise His holy name. Praise His holy name. See, we're going to spend eternity together, so why don't we start loving each other as one now? What does that mean? As you look at these next two verses in Romans chapter 10, I'm going to read verse 13 first. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But what is the prerequisite of that? Check this out. You may have never noticed it. 
For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved in verse 13. But look at the prerequisite in verse 12. It says, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all. Lord of who? Then it says, and richly blesses all. Blesses who? Who call on him. For everyone who calls, who calls? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When God called Shannon and I to start this church, be 21 years ago this coming Friday, March 3rd. Praise his name. We grew up in a very wonderful atmosphere that I got saved in, but I grew up also with a lot of things I didn't understand because there was a lot of what I would call religiousity. Do you understand what I'm saying? That I didn't understand. And I kept going back to the Word of God, and, and that's when God led me to call this church Freedom Church. Because I wanted to be people that were free to be free indeed and understand that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what side of the railroad tracks that you were living on. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter the color of your skin that you were born. It doesn't matter what you've done in that. What matters is that you can call on the name of the Lord and you can be saved into the kingdom of Almighty God. Because I will tell you, church, there is one race and that's the human race. And I hope it pray to God in heaven that we can get that because Jesus came to give his life for every single one of us. It's not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. It's not acceptable to God and it should never be acceptable to God's people ever in his church ever period. Jesus didn't say who to neighbor. He taught us how to neighbor everyone. So we just simply Walk across the street. We have compassion. We don't prejudge. We seek to understand and we love everybody, even if they're different from us. Because we all are one in God's kingdom. So let us cross the street. Let us love one another. Because God first loved would you stand with me as we pray Father in heaven Lord we come to you today and Lord we invite your Holy Spirit's conviction and power God to please do a healing God in the work of all of our hearts as part of the solution God I pray that everyone may repent of any racism and any prejudice in their hearts God today whether we heard it whether we learned it, whether out of ignorance, God, forgive us, Lord Jesus. God, I want to pray a special prayer for those who are victims of it, those that have been hurt, those that have been abused, those that have been rejected, those that have been mistreated, those that's been misunderstood, God. I pray, God, a special prayer for their hearts for healing. As we continue praying, how many of you would say as God has shown his love to you, that you want to show his love to everyone? How many of you would just lift your hand in just a second to this, I want to be a good 
godly neighbor. Would you lift your hands across this auditorium today? God bless you. God bless you. God, help us, Lord, to be a neighbor to those you want us to be neighborly to, that you lead across and intersect with our lives. God, help us, Lord, to see others as you see others. Help us, Lord, to see through your eyes, not our prejudiced eyes. Help us, Lord, to show love to our neighbors. May we see others as you see us through eyes of love and grace and mercy and compassion. As we continue praying, the only way you can be like Jesus is to know Jesus. So I asked you today, where do you stand with God today? I'm asking every one of you, where do you stand with God today? As you look into your heart, maybe you're thinking, I'm not a bad person. I try to be good, I, or I try to go to church, or I try to, to be that person that I need to be around people or whatever. Listen, performance has no place in salvation. Performance, no matter how good you are, will not get you into heaven. Jesus died in our place for our sins, the things we've done wrong, because we could never, ever be good enough. Jesus lived his sinless life and gave his life as a sacrifice for all of our sins and our wrongdoing. Here's what I'll tell you about salvation. Salvation is a free gift, but it cost heaven its best. It's something that you can't earn. You just have to believe it. You receive it. And you pray to be born again. So right now in this moment, as you look in your heart, if you know you need to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you know that you need to believe it and receive it for the first time, this is your moment. This is not happenstance that you're here today. Would you just lift your hand as everyone's praying? Lift your hand right where you're at. Shoot your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. I need to pray for that today. Shoot your hand up. Don't wait. Just shoot your hand up and say, I need that today. God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else, just shoot your hand up and say, I need to pray and receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. Anyone else, just lift your hand real high and say, that's me today, Pastor. I want to pray. I want to pray and ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Would you pray right where you're at? And Christians, everyone pray together. Just ask the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, Lord, I'm calling on your name today. I'm inviting you into my heart. Lord Jesus, I want to ask you to come in. And as you see the sin of my life, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want to repent of the things I've done wrong and walk away from those things. I want to live for you. So I ask you to make me new. Forgive me. Save me. My life is yours. You've prayed that and you meant that from the depths of your heart. All you have to do is just thank Jesus right where you're at. Say, thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. And you will feel the peace that passes any understanding. You will feel the cleansing of Almighty God through His Spirit. As the, you have caused a party in heaven and the angels will rejoice. And as your name has been put in His book in heaven, you've made reservations from heaven. Thank Him for that as He gives you His Holy Spirit to go with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll go with you to the very end, till the day you make heaven your eternal home. So those of you that received Jesus for the first time, your next step is baptism. 
So be sure to fill out a card here. Come and see us at Next Steps and fill it out and say, I want to be baptized. You're going to go public with your faith. Just imagine the impact that you're saying, this is who I follow now is Jesus. And we're going to do that on April 9th, Easter Sunday morning. Anyone else here, you know that you need to be baptized. You can do that on Easter Sunday morning. Let us know that so that you can invite your family and your friends and your loved ones, your neighbors, your coworkers, even those people, Lord, that doesn't understand what you're doing. It can have an impact on their life. Thank you, Father, for what you've done here today. Mind us being one, acting as one, living as one, and loving my neighbor. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shouts, amen. Let's give him praise, church, all right? Let's give it up for Pastor um, for that awesome sermon. Praise the Lord. If you gave your life to Christ today, that's amazing. Welcome to the family. You have joined the Freedom Family and the Global Church Family. So we're so excited for you. Um, Like Pastor said, make sure to fill that out on the connection card. And you can also go see him over at Next Steps. He'll be there to meet you. We'd also love to pray with you and give you a Bible. Um, You're not walking on this journey alone. Whenever you come into the family of Christ, you come into the family of Christ. So we'd love to walk with you through that. So make sure to mark that on the connection card that's in your seat. You can also scan that QR code um, and fill it out online as well. Um, If you are a VIP, that means it's your first time here, you are a VIP. It means you're very important to us, and most importantly, you're very important to God. So can we just give um, a hand clap for those people who came here for the first time today? We are so glad that you decided to join us. Um, We encourage you to come join us three times. Um, Just check us out. It'll be an awesome experience every time you come. Um, And again, fill out that connection card. Let us know that you are here today, and you can take that card out right those middle doors to the info center, and we have a gift for you uh, just to say thank you for being here today. Um, We are going to go into a time of giving, and I wanted to read you guys um, a review that we got on Google just to kind of... um, bring understanding, a little bit more understanding as to why we give. It says, absolutely fantastic place of worship. I've never felt judged and I feel accepted here. Great place for kids of all ages with the children's program and youth group. There is a group or spot for all people with the many different small groups available throughout the year. They also have an amazing set of teams to join to serve within the church, including the worship team, youth group, production team, and many more. Our mission here at Freedom is to reach people to know God. And we reach people to know God, not just to hear about him, uh, not just to experience an awesome Sunday service, but to know God. And your giving helps us accomplish that mission. Um, Like I said earlier, we're stepping into the Easter season, and that's a really high time to reach people to know God. And so there are many different ways you can give. Um, You can do it online in the kiosk. You can give Um, like paper with your checks or with cash in the buckets. Um, And so we just encourage you to give with the overflowing heart so that we can accomplish this mission and reach people to come into this church family and know God and be a part of something amazing and incredible. There are also other ways you can get involved for Easter if you scan that QR code. Um, We'd love to have you serve. Um, We would also love for you to donate candy. We also have ways you can pray. So make sure to scan the QR code and get information on that. So I'm going to pray over the offering, and then you guys are free to enjoy this Sunday. 
Father, thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for blessing us. Uh, God, I pray that we would just give sacrificially. Um, I pray that we would give with glad hearts because you are um, just worth it. You are worthy of our giving, and I pray that you would bless this giving to accomplish our mission to reach people to know God. Um, and I just pray that you would protect us through the week, lead us home safely, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. Have a great week.